We back again. I'm keeping the ee. I liked it from last time. Uh, all right, we're back. We get talking about love today. What is love? 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 Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, we talk about love. Everything there. You know, I feel like there's two. Like we were talking about before we started recording, I feel like there's two modes of existence within the realm of love. It's pre-love and post-love. There is sort of a weird middle ground, but for the most part, it's pre-love and post-love. So the way that the human mind operates before it experiences genuine love, like romantic love, it's so much different. Before, you know, in that mode before you genuinely experience love. It's it's this mode of ignorance. I don't mean that in an insulting way, but genuinely you you don't really understand the magnitude of what I, you're missing I, at, at the start. Yeah. I'd say more or less what you really are feeling when you're in the when you're not in love is uh, selfishness before it because uh, a lot of times you're going to just be thinking about yourself and what makes and what's convenient to you rather than convenient to our people. It is, but it's, as I said, I agree with that, but it's an ignorance to the, there, it, it is a selfishness, but it's an ignorance to the selfishness. It, it's not, I don't think it's malicious or intentional. I just think that, and, and, and you know, that goes without saying that's common sense or at least decent sense that, before you love someone and learn how to put another person before yourself, yourself is at the top of that priority list. And you sort of have this cocoon around you, this shield, this barrier, when you're before you love someone or when you're just by yourself, where you are everything. You are your own God. You are your own everything and so the notion of putting another person on such a high pedestal is nearly impossible to comprehend i mean now granted if you've loved someone before and then lost them that's an entirely different discussion because obviously you know what that feels like but before him it's this feeling of at least from my own experience it's been a long time for me obviously since i've felt since i've been single and just not loved and just this, that, and the other. But just when I was quite nubile, I just, to be more specific, because I feel like this is just a bunch of platitudes and vague nonsense so far, to be more specific, I feel, at least in my own experience, I wasn't just selfish, nor not just, and not just ignorantly selfish, I was a much more callous person. You know, it, I was very very logical, very pragmatic, and extreme. I was far less compassionate and emotional. Empathy was not really uh, a trait that I understood well. If someone had a problem, particularly one that was emotional, my response was always incredibly rigid and inflexible and without emotion, almost always. I would have a very by-the-fact way of thinking, and anything outside of that, almost like a fucking android, anything outside of that, it may it, it was illogical. It made no sense. And if it was illogical, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I couldn't comprehend it. I just couldn't possibly be able to live that way or agree with people who, who live that way. It was just, it just felt like overly sentimental and unnecessary, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, that's, Honestly, that's all, like, new to me, because I've, well, not new to me, more, like, foreign to me, because I've, I have never really been in love to really experience those feelings that you have. Right. Well, well, you know, those, ex- those emotions are very, I think, very common for people, at least, I, I would say, more so for men, possibly. Um, you know, and the the things that the things that bother you when when you're single when you when you don't have that love in your life are so 
And I remember, I remember being single. And I just remember the smallest shit setting me off. It could be the most inane, trite fucking nothingness. And I'm like, I'm out. I'm fucking out of here. Fuck this. You know, it's not good enough for me. And it, just the level of ego and shallow, just incessant fucking shallow garbage that shrouded my mind. It, it just felt like before I had experienced genuine love, I felt that, you know, not only that I was the only person that mattered in a room and that other people were fucking beneath me, which sounds terrible, but I'm just being honest. It's how I felt at this point in my life. Uh, but I just felt like, it, I just felt completely fucking alone which obviously you're going to, you know, that's the biggest thing is you, you have so much time when, when you are alone to, to think and to reflect. And so no one else is sort of clouding your judgment or your, your rationale. So you judge things much more caustically. So when you see someone who like, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I was single or particularly when I was, you know, just before I ever really experienced love and this, that, and the other, if my mom would come to me and have a, a problem with my dad, like some kind of emotional whatever, I would just be extremely fucking brutal about it. Just completely, I wouldn't even regard the emotion behind it. Because to me, you know, and I, to an extent, I still kind of feel this way, but to me, it was just, why the fuck are you not fixing it? Why are you not fixing it? Even though there are just many times where, in a, you know, when it's an emotional issue, it's a conundrum. But it's still being single and being without love, having this void. It's, it's almost like a lot of people, it, for a lot of people, it's a void that they don't know that they have. And then eventually they may realize that it's there and yearn for it, to pine for it. So I know people on different fronts. I know people who don't have love in their life, have never experienced love, and don't miss it or or really desire it because they don't know what they're missing. And then there's people like you who, you know, you are aware of it, you want yeah. it, you see it, you desire it, but you don't have it. Yeah, but that sucks to not really have something like that, man, because... And, you know, like, I'll tell you this, it's, with me, it kind of goes a little bit further than that, because I don't even know what it feels to be loved. Honestly, it's like, I think, like, at least most people know the feeling of being loved, at least from their parents and family, but I I just don't feel that. Yeah. Like, you know, my mom's, like, they're, like, you know, like, the audience already knows, I've had, I have a very fucked up relationship with my mom and yeah i i kind of grew to really just hate her more than love her like i never loved her as much as i feared her and then hated her so to me it's like i don't even know what love feels like so and it becomes a bit hard to to understand yourself whenever you're trying to date people because you just don't know what what you're feeling you know, like you like in my at least, at least for me personally in my mind i always go into a situation where i want it to work out i want to like this person and i want them to like me but i just don't know how like i don't know what i can do to make them fall for me and i don't know if i'm actually falling for that other person or if i'm just or i just really want that feeling of being loved and being in that sort of relationship that it might uh, cloud my judgment and maybe what I feel as desire, I confuse for love. Yeah, and I mean, I'd say your position is the unique one because at the very least, most people have parents or a parent that does love them and protects them, you know, as at least when they were a child. Uh, but with you, I feel like it's you're you're sort of at as you said, even at a more more of a disadvantage than than someone just a regular person who's inexperienced with love. You're at 
a supreme disadvantage because, as you said, you're not you haven't even had you know simple unconditional like parental love. So you, I feel like it's it would be easy for you to go into a a potential relationship and and just be obsessed with. And I t- I've told you this before. I don't know if we necessarily were recording this, but the desire that leaves almost like this void. Obviously, it leaves a void where you you have an incessant desire or means to be disliked or rather liked that you just attention seeking. It just sort of builds that uh, character flaw, I feel like, when that void exists in a person's life. And so... I think it would be easy to go into a situation looking for validation and being, and I know based on your prior experiences in your dating life and stuff like that, that lots of times you'll put in, I wouldn't say so much recently, but certainly, certainly back in the day in your earlier experiences where you wouldn't even really necessarily like someone, but you would still want to, you would still want them to like you. You still want their validation, you know what I mean? Even if you weren't, ne- even if you weren't necessarily that interested in them, and I think that that's a common theme for a lot of people is they chase validation because they want to experience love. They want to feel that feeling. They want to feel like someone they can come home to someone and that someone really cares about them and that yeah. that it you matter to someone, even if it's not the right person. Yeah, it's uh. That is, that is right, man, because you just, because when you never feel it, and you just kind of like see other people having that, it just, you feel left out, you feel like, like a part of you is missing, and you just desperately want to fill that void, like, you know, I've told, like, I've told you already about, like, this experience I've been having, trying to date this one girl at work, and... Just this last weekend, I was supposed to go out with her on Friday. Never happened, but leading up to it, I just, I just kind of like started thinking to myself, why am I obsessing so much over trying to date this person? You know, before before she approached me and asked me to go out, I didn't really care about her. Now that she made the first move, now I care, and it's like. And anytime I do try and talk to her, it's like, it's not that I don't dislike this person. It's not that I, you know, she isn't enjoyable to talk to. I still just, I just don't feel anything. Like, I'll try and talk to her and she just uh, ends up being a cold person. And I just don't feel anything. And I just came to my own conclusion that, you know what, (laughs) if this, uh, if she doesn't message me back and if she doesn't, really try to make an effort of trying to gain contact with me to go out i'm just gonna like let go i don't care i don't feel anything i'm just gonna move on try to to find someone else try to find someone that actually can care about it and that it doesn't feel like i'm forcing myself to want to make something work when maybe it's not even the right thing for me exactly and you know that's what i was saying you know, in the picture I was sort of painting uh, a few minutes ago where people, you know, you're not alone there. I, I think a lot of people, myself included, you know, years ago have have this issue where it's natural to want to be loved. It's natural to want to love. It's it, As you said, you feel like you were missing a part of yourself because you are. You are. And everyone who isn't in love is. Love is a vital part of life. It's It's, the, in my opinion, the reason for life, you know. But you would absolutely have a void, a hole. And the thing is, is when when people feel this way, they get desperate. And like you said, just because she initiated things with you, you feel like, oh, wow, someone likes me. Even if like you're I mean, up until now, obviously, as, as you've said, but prior to this. Prior, prior to these recent events, you had a heavy man. Well, it's like you knew you didn't even f- like her. You didn't oh, even. Yeah. You've made that very clear. I mean, us talking, you know, off. Yeah, yeah, because, off of here, yeah. 
Yeah, because me and her, we had like uh, a little scuffle uh, at work months prior, and we just didn't really have a relationship. We just we didn't talk. We were yeah, just, you guys got yeah. into it like verbal shit. Yeah, we just didn't talk to each other, and we just generally stayed out of each other's way until <laughs> until just one day uh, talking in the group of in my group of coworkers. Told them about how I've never really been in a relationship with anyone. Never had a girlfriend. Yes, folks. I'm a 27-year-old man. Never had a girlfriend. Uh, and I do feel ashamed. I'm going to kill myself <laughs> after this podcast. This is, my fi- this is my final episode. So, goodbye, folks. <laughs> anyway. So, you know, she kind of like hears it. And I kind of like make... I play it off as a joke. But I was being very serious. I was I meant it though, but I played it off as a joke and and then she just walked up to me and asked me if I wanted to go out with her and and I was like I answered sure because I wasn't doing anything at the time and again we had a good time the two the two times we went out, but it's everything in between those that just I just didn't feel anything and I just kinda of felt right. like forcing myself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, you have these experiences where it's just, and I mean, hey, you know, if you're not doing anything, you want to have a good time, it's, that's a different situation. But, you know, when you're looking for something more substantial, people get desperate and they settle and they just want to feel something. They want to fucking feel so badly that they will. And I mean, I think that that's a lot of people who are in relationships and fucking married and have children. I think that a lot of those people started that way. That was the genesis of their relationship of their marriage, of their family, was two people who were just tired of being alone. And, you know, fucking, they they just got matched up together somehow, bumped into each other at the fucking bagel stand, you know, met online, what have you. Um, maybe somebody accidentally hit somebody with their car, and then they got pissed off and traded insurance, and then they just hit it off somehow, magically. Who the fuck knows? There's a million reasons how two people could have got together but nonetheless a lot of people are are unhappy and it's not even real to begin with but that that mindset that frame of living prior to to loving is it's like a fucking switch that flips in your head and every every trait that i had most of the traits that i had per you know prior to feeling this way that i feel now obviously uh being married and all happily i should probably add is you know prior as i said i i just even even when i was with my ex because i mean that wasn't genuine love it was just puppy love i was with her for eight years but for the most part it was just we were young and we just sort of got together met in high school etc and we had some good times but it wasn't like genuine love it was just I, I I grew to care about this person, and if, in the end, we more or less became just roommates almost. It was fucking weird. Uh, it didn't help that she was fucking another guy. That was that also greatly exacerbated uh, the situation, the condition yeah. of our relationship. That that just certainly do what just a smidge. Yeah, it was um, not the best, but still. You know, how I felt, I still had that frame of mind. Even though I was in a relationship, I still, because I wasn't really happy with who I was with and I was settling, and maybe she was as well, I I still felt that way. I still felt the way I felt when I was alone, which was, it was all about self-preservation. You know, I, I can honestly say I never thought about putting her first i never really had to necessarily like it wasn't a do or die situation but there's so many times where i should have and i didn't you know she wanted to do something and i fuck off it was all about what i wanted what i wanted to do where i wanted to go uh what mattered to me and quite frankly you know it was the same for her it was the exact same for her she lived for her and i lived for me and we happened to be together and i i think that that's more commonplace than people care to admit uh and yeah, I was a, uh, and as consequently, as you'd imagine, like I said, I was very cold, very callous, very guarded, and very proud. 
had a tremendous amount of pride and in a very ugly way. You know, it was all about my ego and no one letting no one getting through that fucking door. No one getting through those those barriers. Nobody. You know, I was an incredibly guarded person. And it was hard for me. It was incredibly hard for me to become vulnerable, which I think that that's, again, very common. I think people, most people are afraid to be vulnerable. Uh, You know, of course, given my medical history of fucking nearly dying a couple times for some pretty brutal health shit, I kind of got a crash course in uh, vulnerability. You know, when you have a fucking guy shove a tube in the head of your dick, you kind of you kind of let go uh, of of a lot of pride when you have a yeah. guy shoving fingers in your ass to make sure you're not eternally bleeding. You <laughs> you kind of got to let go of the fucking wheel a little bit. You you yeah, got to let that, go. Yeah, that kind of does it, doesn't it? Mm. You know, but still yet. Um, and then a, meeting the right person. I mean, it changed my life in so many ways. It it wasn't just about you know, how it made me feel, because I think that's that's a big indicator between love and lust is if you only think about how that person makes you feel. Then it, and you don't acknowledge the totality of the situation. I feel that's a that's a problem, you know, because when I was with my ex, you know, all I thought about was she's pretty. That makes me feel good about myself. That's genuinely what I thought. I thought, okay, well, this girl is attractive. And her attraction makes it boosts my ego. It makes me feel more worthy. It gives me more value. I looked at her as almost like a tool to increase my inherent stock, which is fucked up. That's horrible. That's objectification if there ever was objectification. That's fucking insane man especially for the foundation of a relationship damn it's not like she's eye candy for a fucking gala date or some shit we're going to the ball i mean i was with this girl for eight years that's a fucked up way to live you know so um of course again there were good times there was it wasn't all shit and terrible and whatever but you know the difference for me at least for me i don't want to generalize when i genuinely found who i'm with and grew to really love her i don't just think about how she makes me feel oh of course i do yeah she fucking makes me incredibly happy and she makes me feel uh all kinds of fucking ways ooey gooey on the fucking inside you know makes me feel vulnerable and she makes me feel okay with being vulnerable she allowed me to let those walls down and to let her in and that's okay but more than that i think about the true love for me was not just how she made me feel, but it's how I, I looked at our relationship and I still do so far ahead. I look at everything. I look at how I make her feel and I see how my decisions affect her, how my person, how my, how I handle a situation. How does it impact her? The words that I say, what I say to her, how I treat her, how I, how I spend my time with her. The life that we share, I think about how that impacts her. You know, I would I would never want to say something that that would truly hurt her. I would never want to do something that would hurt her. I would never want to lead her the wrong way or do wrong by her. I think so much about her, not how she makes me feel, but how I think about her and how my decisions impact her. You know, and of course, I think about, you know, and that's another thing I would also add for someone. If you're in a relationship right now and you sort of feel like you're. Fucking slogging along, it's wrong. I'm going to tell you right now it's wrong. It's wrong because it's not that hard. I was with my ex for eight fucking years. She cheated on me a couple times. It had some fucking rough patches. It was shit sometimes and it was good sometimes. But even when it was good, it was just mediocre. You know, uh, but even still, it took me probably six years or so to propose six years. Of course, it blew up in my face. And, you know, she more or less left me at the altar of a fucking castle wedding, no less. But 
about as goddamn mortifying and embarrassing as, as it could possibly be. But also, life goes I would, on. Also, I would just like to add to that. It's just the utter suffering that she put you through months prior with just her constant inviting of people. Yeah, that she didn't that, want that's a good point. That irked the shit out of me. It's like she fucking just battered me into proposing to her, which is already a tremendous, huge, monstrous fucking red flag. Okay, if you're a woman or man, I, but I would say it's probably women most of the time, in fairness, because the man usually proposes, is fucking badgering you to propose to them. That's not good. Okay, that's not fucking good. Either either you're dragging your feet and you should have already did it, and but really you shouldn't at all because if it comes to that point, you're you're just in the wrong fucking part of town, you know, and you need to get the fuck out. It's either that or she's pushing too soon, which you know is possible, but who the fuck knows? It's all circumstantial. But still, yeah, she just constantly up until the months before she cheated on me and things ended. She just kept fucking inviting more and more people to this big-ass wedding. And it it was supposed to be small and intimate, and it just fucking spiraled out of control. She invites I, all these fucking people, and then I find out she's cheating on me a month before the fucking wedding, and, uh, you know, that's that. That's fucking that. So, I mean, her head was—who the fuck knows? Her head was somewhere in the cloud somewhere. I and, still, uh, I still yeah. remember when you told me that she invited, like, her neighbor from when she was, like, six. That she Yeah, had... yeah. She invited her parents' neighbors from when she was a child. She hadn't talked to them in, like, 20-something years. Maybe part of it was a ploy to get gifts. I don't know. Either way, it, it's not relevant. The point is... I don't know. It's just, just yeah, it's, baffling. It's, it's fucking baffling, for sure. But still... You know, now I think about how how drastically gears shifted. Like I said, when I was with her... You know, it took me years. Every fucking decision was agony. Every single thing we did together was was just agony. Picking a house together was just the fucking worst. It was just absolute AIDS. I hated every second of it. I made the grave mistake of letting her pick her own ring. Oh my god, never do that, by the way. Fucking horrible idea. I don't my logic was well, she has to live with this ring for the rest of her life. Because if I get it and it's shit. And she doesn't like it. She's never going to tell me that it's shit and she doesn't like it. And she's just stuck with this fucking turd forever. So my logic was sound, but in execution, it just doesn't fucking work. Still, uh, you know, if it does for you, God bless you. Anyway, so every decision was agony. Everything we did was agony. And it just everything boiled down to quibbling and arguing over, over nonsense. And it was because we were so both in this mode of self-preservation, self-protection. It was all about what we wanted as individuals. And again, now it's a completely different way of existing. I don't, you know, of course I have the things I like and what I enjoy, you know, my own personal interest. I have my own life, of course, but I think so much about her and what I can do to make her life better. Anything I can do. It does not matter how small of a gesture. I would do anything to to make her happier. You know? And I think about and, and I think about how it took me no time to make that decision. You know, like I said before, in the past it took me six fucking years to decide to propose. Six that's so long. That's such a long time. With Libby, it took it, less it, than a year. Yeah, with Libby, it took it took almost no time. Like I, I made that decision so fucking fast, and I would have did it sooner had I not almost fucking died and was in the hospital for days, and then just worried that I'm gonna fucking die imminently. So I just had to recover a little bit. You know, I was ready to go. I, I had the little fucking note written and everything that I was gonna recite to her as I proposed to her in the graveyard. Um, you know, I was ready to roll, but still, it got delayed a few months, but it happened. And, you know, I told her, we're going to, you know, I'm going to get married this year. And I, I meant everything I said. And, of course, you were there. It happened. And I, I have zero regrets. Best decision I ever made. And, you know, it's all a fucking risk. But still, it just, I just had such a confidence. Such a confidence. And I still do. I still feel that way. And, yeah, things change. And 
there are no fucking happy endings in this life. And either, either you know, yeah, we could get fucking divorced or over what the fuck ever. Or I could die. She could die. Who knows? Who cares, though? Who cares? Like, life, it's so fleeting. It doesn't matter. And that's my point is I just think I put so much stock into how she feels and the quality of her life. You know, I told you this before. Uh, when we were getting married, I had a lawyer do all that paperwork. I've told you about this, and I got yeah. a trust on my house. So I put her as the beneficiary for all this shit, and if something happens to me, she's protected. Her house is is protected. She doesn't have to worry anymore. She she ha- We have the deed, have, have the trust. She She's going to be okay. And I thought, too, I thought ahead, too. And I think, you know, we think about having a kid, and uh, that's something we're going to do soon. And we talk about it all the time. She was just talking about it today uh but you know we talk about all this shit and it means so much to me and i wanted to get all this protection for our home and all this shit uh like legal stuff so that if i die or anything happens to me that she's protected and also if we have a child that both of them are you know i want to make sure that even when i'm fucking dead i'm doing my diligence as her husband to make sure she has the best fucking life possible you know and I don't ever think twice about it, ever, never. I never, when I was, the whole process from the time I proposed to her to the time I got married, not one seedling of doubt ever sprouted in my mind. I never questioned it. I never debated it for a fucking second. I just knew in my heart, this is, I just have to do this. I want it. I love her so much. And I mean, you saw when I got married, I cried like an absolute fucking bitch. Like a total bitch. And I knew I would. I knew I would. And I just couldn't help it. Like when you truly fucking love someone, you, you, you just, you can't hold it back. Your your fucking emotions just bleh. That's how you feel. That's how it felt. You know, when her dad's walking her down the fucking aisle. And I mean, a couple of my friends said that. They said, you know, when he walks her down that fucking aisle, it's going to crush you. And it did. I mean, it killed me. You know, seeing her, because it represents everything. It represents so much, and people don't take that shit seriously anymore. People, the society we live in today doesn't respect the fucking sanctity of marriage. It doesn't respect what all this shit stands for and what it stems from, what it means. You know, you watch a man who raised a little girl her whole goddamn life, who loves her and who sacrificed for her, her father, walking her down and give, handing you her hand, okay? That symbolizes he's saying, okay, you know, this... It's your responsibility now. You're taking this on. You know, he'll, she'll always be his daughter, but it's now, I'm the man now. I'm her husband. It's my fucking responsibility. I have to protect her. Now, it's not to say she's some fucking damsel. Trust me, she's a badass bitch. All right. She does more than most fucking grown men does, than mo- most grown men do, but that's neither here nor there. The point is, is that I take that on. And, you, I was so overwhelmed with emotion because in that moment, I think I thought about it's like your life flashes before your eyes, but in the most beautiful and amazing fucking ways. I thought about every fucking thing we'd suffered through, all the setbacks and all the fucking heartache, all the not not, um, you know, relationship shit, the medical shit, you know, all the fucking suffering I've been through and, and you know, uh subsequently the suffering she's been through the all the fucking just pain the physical pain i've had to feel and her having to just sit there and and just be there and that's all she could really do is just be there and and just listen and i mean this fucking to put it into perspective for those of you listening as i've said before i don't want to get too much in detail because i've talked about it prior is you know i've had fucking open heart surgery i've had a couple few surgeries on different things i've had fucking cardiac tamponade which is this life-threatening fucking heart shit where your blood traps your heart and you almost fucking you die if you don't get it drained quite a lot of people die uh i mean it's uncommon it's incredibly rare but it if you don't fix it very promptly you're gonna die i mean it's it's not a question of if but when either way the point is is that this woman has been there for me with me throughout all of these things and never questioned it. You know, our relationship, we weren't even really necessarily together when she found out my heart was failing. We were just sort of talking and, and sort of 
seeing where things would lead. And she still fucking stayed. How many people can you say, can you open uh, open with and say, hey, my heart is failing. I'm slowly dying. And it's just going to get really fucking hard from here. Uh, we're going to have to, there's a lot of work to do. Yeah. I don't think most people can handle it. Like, I think, I think a lot of women, or not well, not just women, but like anyone in that situation. Men as well. Anybody. Men as well. I think at first they'll try to be there, try to yeah. be supportive, but I but think it's going to get too heavy. It's yeah, I think heavy. as time progresses and the, and the severity just worsens, I think they just start uh, getting like too tired of it. They they can't handle it anymore. And well, it's exhausting they'll mentally. Fail. They'll probably walk away. Yeah, it's um, you know, it's. It, it's exhausting emotionally, I'm sure. I have no doubt. I mean, there's been a couple times where she just broke down and just cried, and I don't blame her. It's so fucking hard. I can't even put into words the shit that I've had to go through. It's It's been incredibly difficult. But throughout all of it, still, she's been there for every fucking thing, every little fucking thing, you know? When I had my wisdom teeth cut out, I'm like drooling on myself like a complete fucking idiot, drugged up. She's like changing the gauze, reaching her tiny fingers into the back of my fucking bloody mouth, throwing the fucking old gauze out, changing it out. You know, didn't didn't bat a fucking eye, just did it, you know, because I had to have my teeth, my wisdom teeth cut out in preparation for my heart valve surgery to make sure there was no risk of infection and stuff because I had I had had an abscess in my wisdom tooth, one of my wisdom teeth in the past. And, you know, she did that. Then I had to have fucking gallbladder surgery out of nowhere. And I'm a thin guy. I don't even know what the fuck. Uh, you know, that's very uncommon for someone like that. Even still, that was, I mean, hell, that's when you were you were here for a while. That yeah. was excruciating. She was there for me there. Then, you know, she she sort of fucking cooked, cooked all my little meals and did everything. And I had to be on this special shitty little diet. And there she was. When I had the heart valve surgery, which I had to go to Cleveland for, she flew to fucking Cleveland to be by my side for a week as I was in the fucking ICU and like hobbling. She's like helping me walk. Jesus Christ. I was disgusting. You know, I was just covered in sweat and fucking iodine, you know, where they, they want to uh, prevent infection and all shit. And I remember this is disgusting, but I'm just telling you, this is fucking love. I'm, tell I'm telling you, this is part of love. She, we go in the bathroom, and I'm too. My chest is split the fuck wide open in two, right? I have a fucking nasty ass incision. I've got a two, and you know this already, but for the sake of the listener, I have a tube in my dick catheter, pissing in a bag. I have a fucking IV in my arm, and I have the little IV stand. I have a tube in my heart, uh, from my heart, the bottom of my heart, into a fucking big ass, uh, square plastic container and a tube wrapped around my heart or wrapped or rather wrapped around my lung on the other side of my chest that motherfucker was huge shoved in there wrapped around my lung to drain the fluid around my lungs and heart to keep it you know from filling up a fluid and that is draining into this disgusting fucking container that is clipped to the front of a walker okay so i have all this shit going on i'm gross <clears throat> disgusting a lot like that and she takes these fucking wet wipes, and this poor woman is trying to wash my body. She's, like, washing my fucking shriveled, sad nutsack, covered in fucking just iodide and fucking sweat, like I said. Just just washing my body. Doesn't, doesn't even care. Like, she's just, it's just, she just knew to do it. This is, like, this comes now. She didn't, she wanted to be the one to do it. I didn't ask her to nothing. She just said, you need to take, we need to clean you. You know what I mean? The nurses would have done it and stuff, but she, she wanted to do it. She wanted to be, I don't know if it's like a fucking territorial thing, whatever, but she wanted to do it. And then after I got out, I had a giant, uh, I kept a bandage too long on the hole that was where the lung tube was. I have a big ass scar there and it got, uh, infected and it was fucking disgusting. You could see in there and shit. And she was hosing, because I was too, like, weak and fucking brittle uh, and still fucked up. So she would she would shower me. She would clean me 
So I'd stand in the shower and she'd just hose me off and hose off my disgusting infection hole. She had to put these things called lidocaine patches, which is, it's like Novocaine. And they're in, it's embedded, the medication is embedded into these uh, sticky pouches. They're almost like a Band-Aid, but they're big as fuck. And the cushion has medic like pain med in it pain meds and she stuck those to my chest like right next to the nasty ass incision that was bruised and healing still just the links that she'd go to and then when i had the fluid shit that almost killed me and the poor fucking girl sitting there watching me quickly nearly die and she stayed in the icus for icu for fucking days she's like doesn't want me to eat the shitty hospital food so she's going to get me good food to bring it to me every fucking night you know and the shit that this woman has done for me and, and how much she's suffered as a result of my own suffering. I know this is specific to me and maybe it's not as extreme. I'm certainly it's not as extreme for most people, but I'm just trying to really illustrate how this has changed me in such a fucking significant way that she's suffered so much because of my suffering and her suffering is my suffering. That's fucking love. Like, yeah, it, it's just it makes you want to explode. In, in the most beautiful and romantic fucking way. I can't hold it back. I, I can't do, I just can't do it. You know, when that's I think so, about her, it's just overwhelming. Yeah. That's why, uh, yeah, like in the, uh, in the speech I had, I did for you guys at your wedding. Like that's, that's why I mentioned that shit because like, to me, that is the epitome of actually loving a person is to be to be with them at their at their lowest at their their weakest at their worst when when shit isn't to your convenience and still wanting to be with that person and not just wanting to be with that person but like to marry them to to make a life with them still yeah to me that's love yeah, I mean, it's uh, been so much. And even through, and we were, funny enough, we were just talking about this tonight. We went out to dinner and we were talking about this where there wasn't a moment. I, I never doubted it. And it's easier for me because, you know, I, I'm the one that's going through all this shit and she's healthy and this, that, and the other. So, you know, for me, I'm like, hell yeah, what a good woman. But even for her, she's got this fucking dud over here, this fucking. <laughs> this fucking piece of shit that needs a recall uh and she still had no doubts she said there wasn't a moment of doubt she was just so ready and so happy and that it just has made my life so much better in so many ways i don't worry i don't wonder i don't stress i don't over any relationship shit i just know that no matter what no matter fucking what at the end of any day for whatever reason no matter how hard it was she she's gonna be there you know she is fuck she's the fucking rock you know she is that stone there is no doubt she's my you know she's not just my wife she's my lover you know she's my girlfriend she's not, not girlfriend she's my wife she's my fucking lover and she's my best friend you know everything i feel she feels and vice versa it's just this symbiotic relationship where you know like it's all vicarious when she hurts it kills me inside it fucking kills me when i see her suffer it hurts me so bad because we're i mean it's it's fucking you know, sappy as it sounds, we are one. We're united. We're genuinely fucking united. So much so that, you know, it's all mutual. And I think that that's why it's just so vital. And it just changes you in so many ways. And it made me so compassionate. It made me genuinely... Envious. Do what? I said I'm pretty envious of that. Well, yeah, yeah you know understandably but it's just a journey for everyone and everyone's is different and you know it's all based on circumstance but for me that was my experience and you know it just keeps going and i i could genuinely say i i honestly can say that if i died tomorrow i 
if I knew I was going to die tomorrow, right now, I could say that I'm okay with it. I'm really okay with it. As much as it would absolutely fucking suck to not get to start a family with her, to not get to have all these other amazing experiences together, to travel, to see more of the world together, to just be in one another's presence, sitting in the same room doing fucking nothing, looking at each other, fucking being in love. As much as that would fucking suck to lose, I would know that I could die a happy fucking man. I could die knowing that I married the right fucking woman, that I could not possibly fathom being with someone I fucking love more explosively than this person. I just can't picture it. I can't do it. It's so, it's impossible for me to even depict that image in my brain of caring more about a a singular fucking individual person than I do right now. And it made me so patient and so compassionate and understanding, empathetic. All the things I lacked before I gained in spades. You know, I, I genuinely am excited to listen to everything she has to say. I'm excited to do things with her. I, if she wants me to go somewhere, do this, that, I'm enthusiastic to do it. I'm never trepidatious or reluctant. I, any excuse to spend time with her, any ex- I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. It could be the fucking shittiest, most mundane, awful shit. If, if I'm with her, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me, you know? Um, it, it's just everything... It's everything I ever wanted. And even though, yeah, I still have fucking bad days and I still have this and that and the other and I got fucking problems just like anybody else. They're unique problems, probably, but I have them. It doesn't matter because I just know how strong my team is. So I get to feel incredibly elated and just okay. There's just a level of contentment and enthusiasm as well. But yeah, I mean, it. Uh, the other side of that coin, I've been there too. I've been there fucking too. And I know how long and arduous that journey sounds. And I can tell you it, it's because it is. It's because it is. Because I've been, you know, where you're standing and where you're still looking for that. You're still waiting for that. You're still, you know, getting to that point in your life where that is that will be the beginning of your journey whenever you find that person. Yeah, if I find them. Yeah, I mean, sure. But, and see, and that's another thing. When, before I went through this whole thing, I was a much more negative person. Far more fucking negative. You know, everything was just fueled with negativity, pessimism, doubt, you know, constant just shitting on everything and i'm not necessarily saying that that's where you're at but you know it's just this mentality of like like you're saying if i find them if if if, you know and i again i've fucking been i've sat right there you know when when my engagement blew up in my fucking face and i was left sitting there at a twenty-five thousand fucking dollar wedding with no bride Okay, and I'm dressed in a fucking cheap H&M suit while I eat cold food with my family and friends as we try to pretend like we're not there just to fucking help me feel a little better. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, it basically was like a bittersweet party. Still, I, right after that, I of course I thought, like, if will I ever fucking love again? Will I ever even really feel genuine love? Will I ever be happy? Will I ever find someone? Of course I felt that way. And then I found it. There's so many people in this world. And there's so fucking many people in your shoes. And that's the thing. is That's what loneliness does to you. Is you just It isolates you in such a significant way that you feel so cripplingly and achingly alone. But people have to stop and realize you're not alone. As cliched as it sounds. Genuinely. All the people that feel alone, guess what? You're not alone. There's a fuck. There's millions and millions of fucking people who feel alone all the time, you know. So just as well as the way you feel, 
there there's a woman out there who feels the exact same fucking way and is looking for the exact same thing and yeah you're probably not compatible with a large portion of them but there are some that you are that you are compatible with and that you can find something significant with well i would like uh i would like a waypoint towards her well i don't there's no waypoint there's no fucking waypoint on a mini map it's no game it just is and you can't but what i could say through all this is what i could say is that you can't just sit and wait there is no easy answer there is no easy path it's just hard it's always going to be hard and as they is is anybody's dad's ever told him since forever you know nothing nothing fucking easy is worth having it never is it never is you you just all the fucking things that's why my marriage is the best part of my life because we both suffered so goddamn much just to get here so much through all that shit you know and still and still i mean that you know there's still constantly fucking issues medical issues that i experience and i have to stay on top of my problems for the rest of my life you know like the only thing keeping me alive right now is a fucking prosthetic ring inside my heart it fails i'm fucking dead you know so i have to be on top of that every few months i gotta go in make sure it's okay go in make sure it's okay hell the last time i had the flu almost killed me and you know i got the flu a couple weeks ago so now i'm having problems again where my you know i'm just having like trouble breathing all kinds of fucking mundane shit that no listener gives a shit about but it's stuff i have to constantly check up on and then you know my fucking and that's how awesome my wife is she comes home today she's telling me she's like yeah i was talking she works in a hospital uh uh in the lab and shit and she was talking about how she was talking to some doctors and asking about myocarditis which is a condition that inflames the heart usually from a virus and you know i have a suspicion that that i might have like a mild case of it or whatever anyway she was just she come in here like talking to me enthusiastically about she talked to this doctor and learned all this stuff and like uh, she gave me a bunch of uh information of like some tests that i should she told me to email my doctor and ask him about having a bunch of these particular inflammatory based tests ran blood tests to check for inflammation i mean like her unfucking wavering support it's insane it's ridiculous you know just love is the fucking greatest the greatest part of life and i can't imagine dying not not that i don't mean to like rub shit in your face or make it sound you know make you feel bad i'm you know because you know i'm just being honest but I can't imagine a life without it. I can't imagine going my whole life and never falling in love. Pretty miserable, it, honestly. It it would be to go a whole yeah, you know, but you're a young guy still. You're a young guy. Hey, who knows? I could die tomorrow. You could, but see, look at see, that's what I'm saying. That pessimistic shit. That's a realistic I mean, yeah, it's like it's true. But what I'm saying is you have to take a risk. It's all about risk. When, when I told her all the shit was going on with me early on, she took a risk and stuck by my side, perhaps against her better judgment. But she did. And everything since then has been risky. You know, all the fucking surgeries, all the problems, all the everything. So much risk. And I'd do it again and again and again and again. I, I would, I'll never say no. I will always take that risk every single time. And I think a lot of people who are still looking for love, they wait around. They're waiting on it to fall on their lap. They, they just think it's just da-da-da. You know, and it's like, look, I'm not saying going out there and forcing it. and this Because people do that too. They go out there, they force it. They constantly are just, they're so obsessed with the notion of love and being in love that they ignore everything in front of their eyes. They ignore the obvious. They're looking so detailed in, in every fucking crack and crevice for that high of love that they ignore all the opportunities in front of them. There's so many, you know? And you just can't surrender like that. You have to feel like you're worthy of love. And I think that's a lot of people's problems as well is that they 
they struggle because they feel, especially the longer time goes on, and I know this absolutely describes you. I know this for sure. This is you. Where the longer and longer <coughs> they go without experiencing this, they wonder if something's wrong with them. And their self-esteem starts to plummet as more time passes. So the longer you go without it, and the less experienced you are, the more insecure you get, the more uncertain I mean, yeah, you get. I mean, obviously you're going to start thinking there's something wrong with you because, because you see other people manage to... Because here, here's why you start thinking something's wrong with you, because you'll see people that might be worse off than you, like in other aspects, either financially, physically, uh, whatever, and they still manage to find someone who wants to be with them. Obviously, you start wondering yourself, like, what, you know, what, how did this person manage it, but I can't. Like, why? It's like, yeah, but see, you're fo- that's where I would say you're making a mistake. Right there. You are trying to keep up with the Joneses. You don't know how happy they are. You don't know their life. You, don't, you really don't know anything about them. You're, no. you're looking at their life and being like, well, hey, you know, they got, they're together. Why can't I have someone? That's a terrible way of thinking because they could be absolutely fucking miserable. And odds are they're probably not soulmates made for each other, blah, 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 blah. Most people's relationships are similar to the one that I had. They're just ho-hum, you know? Like, they, they're just average. They're mediocre. They tolerate one another. They occasionally have some happy moments, but they tolerate one another. You know, that's not love. That's just yeah, coexistence. And I think you're trying must... to, you know, I think there you're just looking at statistics. You're looking at how many people have somebody, and you're wondering why you don't have somebody. Don't worry about that. That's not relevant. Don't pay attention to numbers. Okay. I'm not saying uh, I'm not saying I'm right here. I'm just saying I'm just explaining the thought process here. Right. And and I'm just telling you why the that thought process is pointless. It doesn't matter about the numbers. You know, look, man. I got friends who, you know, they're fucking miserable. It doesn't matter. I my parents, they've been married for fucking years. They've been together for 40 something odd years. They can't fucking hardly tolerate each other. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter. It, you know, who cares what you see? You know, that doesn't, it's about how you feel. And all that is like, yeah, there are many times where you had some dates, particularly when you were here. And maybe with a couple, couple of them, you could have just wrote it out and hell, you might still be here dating one of them and being with one of them. But it probably wouldn't have been someone you were happy with. What the fuck is he barking at this late at night? I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Anyway. You know, all I'm saying is like it it's just a risk. You and, and that's what people do is they get into this position where they feel like it's never gonna happen for them and they just shut the fuck down. They shut down and they close themselves off and they feel like, Well, I'm not worth it. I'm I'm not worthy. Nobody clearly wants me. I'm gonna just sit in a fucking corner. I'm gonna just sit in a corner somewhere and be miserable. You know? That's no way to live. You got to try. You got to live. You got to take a risk. You got to just get out there. And I'm not saying, and, you know, people will say, oh, you know, love, it'll hit you right in the face. That doesn't fucking mean you can sit at home and, like, the perfect fucking girl is going to show up to your door and knock on it. No. Okay. You got to put yourself out there. But you just don't want to force it with people you don't have chemistry with. That's all. I went on. It wasn't like I found this one person and, wow, everything was perfect. No. I went on. A myriad of terrible, terrible, terrible fucking dates. Oh my god, that's a podcast for another time. We've already discussed this. There's a laundry list of absolutely, unbelievably insane, shitty experiences. Okay? I, I, I definitely had to run the fucking gauntlet to get where I'm at. Sometimes you get lucky, sometimes you don't. Sometimes it's sooner than later. Sometimes, in your case... It's just long, but you have to think of the context of the situation, too. You live on a small island that's not a lot of people. There's like 100,000 people there, right? But you have to think how many people of them are men. Okay, so that's 50% roughly of the population. That's excluded. Uh, So half of those people are men. So right now you're at 50,000. How many of those people are children? Who the fuck knows? You know, underage, whatever. That's that's a whole other subset. How many of them are in a relationship already? How many of them are married? All these fucking factors come into play. So that's really not very many people at all. 
you know? So, yeah, it's hard. It's really fucking hard to find someone when the pool is small. And that's why people grow up and they leave and they fucking move on. Or people will stay in their tiny little towns. And I come from one. You stay in your tiny town and you just marry the first fucking person that comes along. And, you know, that's it. And you convince yourself that you're happy. Now, am I saying it's impossible? No. It's it's plausible. You could find someone and, you know, that's that and do the love of your life. But in all likelihood, probably fucking not. You have to take risk. You got to get out there like when you were here for a while, for a few months. You know, you didn't do anything. You you went on a couple dates, but for the most part, you sat around and fucking played games and looked at porn. Pretty you much. Know? Right. So it's like you you're saying... You're over here whining and being negative about how, well, no one will ever love me if I ever find love. And, uh, but you have, what, how hard have you actually tried? What effort have you actually put in? Think about it. In Aruba, I'm, it's not that you haven't tried. It's just that the, the fucking pool is so incredibly small. And it sounds like fucking most of the women already have children, you know? Yeah, a lot of them do. And sometimes that may be worth. Yeah, but worth I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm not going to really go into like the whole. Like the pool, the available pool, because you know that's yeah. we it's don't know the statistics yeah, there, we, and yeah. we don't know the statistics, the actual numbers there. And also, I don't think it matters like how big or small the the pool is. Sure, when the pool is smaller, it's it's harder. Sure, but not improbable, but not impossible. I mean. Yeah, first, it's about the person, but it is it absolutely is about the pool. If the pool is super fucking tiny, you know then, yeah, it's about the person, but the likelihood of finding the person goes down significantly. Way, 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 way down. But, yeah, at the end, the person is the ultimate goal. But if you don't have the pool, it's like, if your goal is to fish, that's fucking great. But if the pool is the size of your fucking foot, how many fish are you going to catch? You know, what's the likelihood? When, when all the other fucking... It's like, it's tiny. There's like one or two fish in there. That doesn't fucking mean that it, you're going to be compatible. You have to have options you have to you have to experience shit that's what worked for me is that i went out with so many different women i learned what i liked i learned what i didn't like i learned my turn-ons my turn-offs all that stuff and and eventually it led me to understanding what i really want in a woman you know and i think because your experiences are so limited you don't really know what you want in a woman so that's what makes it so difficult. You could the right thing could be right under your nose. You just wouldn't fucking know it because you don't really have enough experience to know. You know? So what I'm saying is like when you were here, the pool was fucking huge. There's so many people here. But you misused your time. And what dates you did have, I will acknowledge that the two or three dates you went on weren't with ideal candidates. You know, one of them was absolutely fucking crazy the girl in the movie theater or whatever. Yep. So that's a dud. The other one was just super fucking pessimistic and a sad sack. And the other one, it, you know, it might have been okay. The one at the end. Who knows? I don't yeah. fucking know. You know? Possibly. I still remember her. Sometimes, sometimes I do think about... Sometimes I do feel like had I just roughed it out a bit longer, something could have happened there. Possibly. I, I mean, it wasn't going possible. badly. No, she was just too obsessed with, uh, with race. Yeah, like fucking super woke culture shit. But either way, man, like three dates. You were here for six fucking months. You went out with three women. I, I went think. with several more. Who? I mean, they, they weren't shit that lasted anything beyond like one day, but there was definitely our girls. I don't remember. I just remember those three. Uh, there was the one. There was the one who called me a pervert because she wanted to fuck me. And I actually that showed interest. I fucking vaguely remember this. I don't remember what uh, she was like. There was the one there was the one that I talked to before I came to her before I came to the US who I, I went out once, she was super fat and then I managed to talk to one of her friends on OK Cupid by accident and she got pissed about that. Uh <laughs> then there was one that was like freakishly well not freakishly that's over exaggeration but uh, a pretty tall woman like over six feet tall uh, that that's was pretty own... fucking tall that is like almost freakishly tall for a woman yeah I mean dude she was taller than me 
That's, I mean, that's pretty damn tall. I mean, she might even be a bit like an inch or so I... taller than you. Yeah, I don't think. I think the tallest chick I've ever been out with was like five eleven. I'm six feet. Yeah. So, but any, yeah. my point is, it's like, still, we're getting fucking bogged down in minute details. The point is, it's like, there's a massive distinction that you're well aware of, pre pre love and post love. Yep. Where you just, it's about the self. Now, I think you're sort of in this purgatory stage where, at the very least, you acknowledge the drawbacks of not having love in your life and you know what the perks are and you know what the risks are as well you know because of course there are some drawbacks you you know the cost of living sometimes can be harder and depending on who you're with and this that and the other and you have to give up things you have to give up some of your time the things you want to do and blah 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 for sure but i think you're aware of what is to be gained what could be gained what stands to be what you stand to gain and you want go down that road you just have doubts that it'll ever happen but the best thing i could say is to just you just have to go you just have to try you have to just get out there and fail over and over and over again and hope hopefully you fail a lot less than most i don't fucking know you know trust me i have had so many shit experiences so fucking many i I genuinely could not count i could not count okay and it led me to where i am and yeah it doesn't fucking always end happily for everyone and, and it sometimes it's harder for others but you just got to get out there. So then when you do decide to get back into the fucking dating world, you know, you got to go in there with a good attitude, which I think you mostly did the last time you were here. You got to go in there with a positive attitude, think the best, be hopeful, and, you know, really listen. Ask them about themselves. Give it time and just see where it develops. And don't think so much about your fucking self. Not that you do that, but definitely don't do that. Don't think about, like, you and your shit and how it affects you and what what all this shit about yourself you know just table that just the best thing you could do on a date is ask somebody about themselves that's what i always did i want to know about you i I don't want to just sit there and tell you all about me all the fucking like it's too easy to do that let me know about you i want to learn about this person you know and the first day i had with my now wife was one of the best first dates i ever had it's a pretty good indicator yeah. You know, how well you hit it off the first time you meet. Although I kind of think uh, for now, I'm not. For now, I'm taking my hat uh, out of the day scene. Because right now, like, I just have to refocus my life in, on the long term. Yeah, you know, you want to move. You want to be able to move here and yeah. try over here. You know, I totally understand. But for those listening, yeah, I mean, love is the most beautiful and vital part of life. It's incredible. It's it's a fucking absolute motherfucking roller coaster that I would highly highly recommend, and I, I it's easily the best part of my fucking life, easily easily, and I would do anything, any fucking thing, in the name of love, genuinely. Yep. Three out of five would write again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Any last words? Uh, yeah, just. Baby, don't hurt me. Yeah, baby, don't hurt me. We had it. We drew that out for about an hour. <laughs> about an hour. But we came back to it. I know you were really itching to finish the fucking line. No, not really. But I just thought that would be a great moment to, to just throw it yeah. in there. Yeah. Well, if assuming y'all motherfuckers listen for, for the entire duration, uh, enjoy that. All right. We're wrapping it up. We're out of here. All right. See you, folks. See y'all.